Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Whiskey and White Tales, the show for those who hunt with passion and drink with a purpose. We are your host. I'm Gus. I'm Matt. And as always, we want to give a huge thank you to our Patreon members for their loyal support and always being there for us and helping us out along the way, executive producing and such. Another shout out to Waypoint Network for having us and a big thank you for listening, subscribing, sharing, and all the stuff that you guys do on social media and YouTube and all that great stuff. We greatly appreciate it. This week, we uh, decided to shoot some questions and probe chat GPT on some topics related to hunting out of tree saddles. And we're going to uh, fact check a little bit, see what it has to say. So make sure you stick around. in here i've got to figure out where that echo is coming from it is driving me crazy i still don't uh i still don't hear it it's, it's coming on my end somewhere it's strange but did you have a busy day busy uh, week? yeah it's been a busy week um just busy yeah reorganized yeah. my garage just top to bottom got a i got a new uh 52 inch wide two uh like chest and then the the top part for the craftsman uh, craftsman toolbox. So I reorganized nice. tools and got everything that's been sitting in totes and stuff for a year and a half now since we moved. <laughs> got the garage, but freed up a bunch of space, which was nice. And um, yeah, so I spent about two days doing all that stuff. And um, yeah, been busy, but it's been good. Well, that's fun. Just a reminder, everybody, today is National Compliment Your Mirror Day, July 3rd. Your mirror. Yeah, so if you haven't complimented your mirror today. I don't want to do this. Maybe like that. If you haven't complimented your mirror today, you should do that. Is that some, is that some offhand way of like telling you to compliment yourself? I believe so. I think oh. that was the uh, the intention there. I see. 
I'm gonna try out autofocus. See how that does. I tell myself, I I I am compliment myself all the time. So it's that yeah, day every so day here at my house. That's the uh, that's the that's the that's the dealio. Got cool. caught. I got caught up on righteous gemstones. I was pretty bummed that we filmed for three days and maybe fifteen seconds worth of what we filmed was in that episode. <laughs> well, Jeez, actually, your 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 scene in the dining hall was the longest from from that entire weekend. I think. What's going on up here? That's first time with a camera, folks. Jeez. Yeah, the uh, it was crazy. It was it. What was what sucks about it is like I had um like a small viewing party. So I had like the neighbors over. Yeah. Oh no. Right. Eventually. <laughs> there we go. And, um, yeah, so we were all excited, had some drinks and, um, I was like, Oh, here it is. Here it is. They're getting ready to show up. And so they show him like driving down the walkway and I'm like, yeah. here he goes any second. And what's crazy is that huge gate they built. Yeah. Like and, it had, and- it had a huge wheel on it where the guy was, Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, here's our background of the week is some wild turkey bottles. Uh, nice but they had that huge gate so the guy was turning it with his hand and he was an actual like paid member of the staff so i thought for sure his name was bubbles, bubbles. i thought for sure he was going to be in it yeah and um it, well it wasn't yeah. just that gate like they that entire road was decorated and they had yep. all kinds of stuff up the guys skinning deer and all kinds of stuff there were hundreds of people out there and they showed like 12 <laughs> which is crazy to think that, that like the budget must be just yeah. So Insane. I, so actually it's not that it's, so I talked to somebody that works in film and they said that, uh, especially in television today, um, you have to get so much out in such a short turnaround time. And it's so yeah. cheap to film now that you can afford to just shoot, 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 capture all the things. That sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. Let's do that five times and then we'll figure it out in post. And that's just the approach they take. And so they'll spend, they'll spend a week recording and then maybe not even use any of that week. Yeah. Oh no! It was um, it was quite shocking. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it just blows me away. They would build that huge gate, and then the gate they used was just like a regular, like you go to a parade. Those metal gates at parades, that was the that was the gate they should they chose yeah. as the actual entry point instead yeah. of. But thinking about it, like I mean, there was only a thirty what two five minute episode, so for them to raise yeah. that gate, it's that's precious seconds. Yeah, I'm guessing that they they just were like. It takes too much time. The other thing is, if you've watched the show, you know, before each episode, they play a primer that sort of recaps previous seasons. I imagine they'll reach back and use some of that footage, you know, from those from those episodes from, you know, to to show little fillers, you know, so maybe some of the other stuff will make it in. But yeah, I just uh, I didn't think about that because everybody everybody's like, oh, well, they'll just use it, you know, in, in other Episodes like they won't because when we were there, they said they were filming episode two. Yeah, so that's it. So it's not they're not going to do flashbacks. Plus, they if you watch the show, they kicked them out. They kicked us out, so they're not going to come back. No, but I mean, they I guess they could do the characters could have flashbacks to to that time or those scenarios. But I I don't I don't know how much it would it would really lend to the story. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I was we hoping that, I was it. really hoping that they were going to the one the only thing I really cared to to see was. You and Robert Oberst eat shit. Oh, dude. I, I can't believe that wasn't in there either. That was a real fall, and he fell on top of me and broke my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? He pulled the tendon in my thumb, like, and, like, yeah. I still can't push it any further than that. Like, it still hurts. That's wild, man. We sip it on. Double up? Yeah, peerless double up. Nice. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Gibby's. 
Heaven's Door. Heaven's Door. I was gonna say it looks like a Heaven's Door model. 113 proofs. When did when did he do that one? That's not the one from a few a couple of years ago, is it? It might be. I don't no, know. It's not I bad. So it got, it just, got as I empty things, I open up new ones. Yeah, it got better as got the better. Uh, as the uh, as I drank it. Yeah. A little pallet drift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at me winning. Look at me winning. <laughs> Look at me winning. All right. Um, yeah. So we, for those that don't know, we work in IT and uh, during our daily duties. And then at night we do podcasts and we see Whitetail stuff. Uh, so we have been using a form of machine learning off and on for, for years, I would say. Right. I know. Yeah, for sure. Have, um, your autofocus seems to work better than mine. Mine just is always like, eh, eh, eh. I have it on manual focus. I just got to get my head in the right spot for it to oh. lock in. <laughs> there you go. Um, but we, so when chat GPT came out, I, we were both, uh, you know, super intrigued because we already know what machine learning will do and how quick it works. And, and so we've used it for some stuff with the company. We've used it for some stuff, you know, just trying to learn stuff. I mean, there's no shortage of applications for it. And so we wanted to kind of like do some fact checking because we know with the whiskey stuff, it's it's usually a pretty binary bland statement, just like this is the the facts about whiskey. So we were like, well, how about not a new technology? Saddle hunting has been around forever, but like as an emerging technology. And so you did some behind the scenes looking and asked it some questions. Yeah. So I asked it to basically act as an expert in in that field of, and, and provide me some tips on some different things. And I asked it some follow-up questions, kind of asked one question um, the same way twice to see if it would give something kind of different. And um, yeah, it's interesting. I think it'd be fun to talk about. So I'll, will share my screen. Let me pull it up because of, I got it to work now. Oh, cool. Only yeah. because of the way the audio downloads, I don't want to. Okay. Let's see. Share. Nice. I'll zoom in a little bit. Can you hear my dog barking? Nope. Oh, great. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is what you asked at your first question there. Yeah. And it, I kind of, I was short with the, but like ideally you, there's a, there's kind of a format that I found that works really well. And that's like, it's like five, four or five sentences and it's um, you kind of ask it what you want it to act as an expert expert in how you want it to provide your, the answers to leave out unnecessarily you know, any unnecessary facts Um you know, yada, yada, yada. And you give it very pointed instructions and it will follow them pretty well. Uh, but the first thing I acted, I, I asked it was to give us some things for um, someone who is new, you know, five things for a whitetail deer hunter that needs to consider when purchasing a tree saddle for the first time. Because this will be my case this year. I'm buying a saddle this year for the first time. You hunted it for the first time last year. Um, I was still kind of a little hesitant wanted to see how everybody else did. So I was like, well, let's see what chat GPT says. And this is what it came up with. And we'll have to read it still because of audio listeners. Yep. So the very first one it said, the first of the five is uh, it said comfort and safety was the first consideration. Um, It said comfort should be a first priority. Uh, You know, look for a saddle with adequate padding, adequate straps for a snug fit, you know, uh, check safety harness system that meets or exceeds in, you know, industry safety standards pretty boilerplate stuff for any sort of tree stand or tree saddle hang on stand climbing stand it's all pretty much the same right like it needs to be comfortable and and safe because you're going to be in it for a long time um 
I didn't really see anything special about that. I thought it was, you know, it's an accurate answer. It's, it's like I said, pretty boilerplate. Yeah, um, wherever it pulled that from is uh, <laughs> probably pretty universal. <laughs> yeah, weight and portability also, I think, pretty pretty straightforward for saddle hunting. That's, that's half the reason I think most people go to it um, and, and transition to saddle hunting is because they want that, um, you know, more lightweight option, the versatility that comes with not having to carry a climber and, you know, too much other equipment. Um it says, it says, since saddles are designed for mobile hunting, it's crucial uh, to choose a lightweight and portable option. Opt for a saddle that is easy to carry and doesn't add excessive weight to your hunting gear. Consider the material used as lightweight and durable fabrics are ideal. Um, again, and while that's a pretty basic sentence, it, it actually, it's stating a lot there as someone that has been saddle hunting for the last season. I mean, because some of the gear is noisy. Some of it is heavy when you start, I mean, the, the saddle itself is light, but then you add a platform and climbing sticks and, and, you know, it all adds up. And so it talks about the durable fabrics are ideal, but also, I mean, you have to consider the fact that they're going to make noise. So maybe you're adding sound dampening covering to them. Maybe you get the drilled out aluminum versions that are lighter than the steel versions. There's a lot to look at. Yep. Um, the next one is versatility and adjustability. So basically it just says, you know, look for a tree saddle that allows you to, um, adapt to different hunting conditions, larger trees, smaller, smaller trees, you know, make sure that you have enough straps and, um, customizing options to, to fit the environment that you're hunting in, um, with different trees and tree types that you're hunting again, pretty straightforward, but also very, you know, very accurate. Um, for durability and quality, you know, investing in, it says investing in a durable, high quality tree saddle is crucial for long-term use. Look for reinforced stitching, uh, robust materials and reliable hardware that can withstand the rigors of hunting environment. Uh, durability is particularly important given the wear and tear that can occur while moving through tree, uh, dense woods or sitting for extended periods. Um, this is the one thing that concerns me the most is durability. Um, uh, if I'm going to be hanging from a saddle and some rope, I want those materials to be durable. I want to know that they're not wearing somewhere that's going to end up being a, um, a single point of failure in, in that system. Uh, so I think this is, again, while it's sort of vague and straight straightforward, like you said about the other one, it's, it is saying a lot. Yeah, the for, for me getting out there, the material I wasn't super worried about. It seemed you know double-stitched, triple-stitched or whatever, but looking at some of the ropes, how the ropes are, because you know loop, loops are not, loops they're tied on so they tie them on and they stitch them and then they coat them in this plastic i don't know the uh, good terms for them but they're rigging ropes yeah but inside that plastic you can see where some guy has signed it and it's like oh wow it's like i did this so it gives you a little more i don't know you almost kind of want to trust a machine more than a human but also machines can screw up but also humans can screw up yeah it's one of those things where uh echo again uh, you know it's kind of like you know a you got to find the balance, right? There's a, there's a machine called the Da Vinci machine that can do, uh, you know, heart surgery with a, uh, trained doctor behind the, behind the controls, uh, because the, the movements are more precise and, 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 uh, less shaking, less, you know, less room for error, but also like a human could do the same surgery. So which do you trust? You know, the machine could screw up too at some point and just start jabbing, you know, who, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, n- number um, five, Number five, uh, user-friendly and ease of setup. So um, I think this is important, but like, you know, it says user-friendly tree saddle will enhance your hunting experience. Choose a saddle. It's easy to set up, adjust in the field. 
Uh, quick connect buckles, intuitive design, clear instructions can be significant, can significantly reduce setup time and frustration during your hunting trips. There is nothing more annoying than getting like carrying a climber and getting to a stand and spending 15 minutes getting everything set up and it, and it being cumbersome and a pain in the ass to use. Um, not to mention, um, you know, I find in most equipment, the simpler it is, usually the more safe it is, the fewer points of failure there are, the fewer, you know, the fewer things can go wrong or not work properly. So I think it's really, you know, being user friendly and being easy to set up will also lend to it being safer. For sure. The big part about that for using it is the, um, I use the knot setup just because I trust the knots more than I trust another mechanical piece. But most people don't use the knots. They use those easy sliders that, you know, like rock climbers use. And I, I think that might be something that I venture into this year and getting away from the knots. Mm-hmm. But I am glad that I did a whole season with the knots because it it's they're a pain in the ass. But I know for a fact they're not going to slip, you know. And yeah, so that part's pretty cool. But the the quick connect stuff is easy, and it's it, just knowing your setup and being able to walk out there. That's that's one of the biggest things I learned because it's it's a new thing to do. So the first time you do it, it's going to be frustrating. Second time you do it, you're going to be a little more frustrated. And then you're like, I'm never going to get, and then third or fourth time you're like, oh, okay, this is pretty easy. Let's I walk, I wear the saddle out, hook it, hook my, uh, Lyman's rope, start putting climber, climbing sticks up and just move on up. Is, is it fairly comfortable to walk in? I feel like you're walking with a diaper on. It's, I mean, it's more comfortable without it, but it's not <laughs> yeah. terrible. Well, it's actually a good segue into the next question I asked. So, um, if you scroll down, I told it, thank you. I, I don't know why, yeah. but <laughs> great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it was like, Hey, you're welcome. I'm glad to assist you. If you have any more questions, you know, you need more feedback. And it said happy hunting, which I thought was funny because that is funny in a, in a lot of, um, uh, like I saw where some, I saw where someone asked for tips on like how to make a bomb. And it was like, I can't give you that information. And then they said, well, what, what? <laughs> what materials would I need to avoid mixing to avoid making a bomb? And it basically gave the the exact ingredients. Um, And it's also, you know, been, people have shown it's been known to to sometimes lean a little more to the, the liberal side of things. So I was curious what kind of, you know, if it was going to have an issue with hunting so far it hasn't, but you talked about practicing. um, And I asked it, I said, you know, can you provide five tips for the first time tree saddle hunter to help ensure they have a comfortable and successful hunt? The very first one, it says practice and familiarize yourself. So like you just said, get yourself familiar with the equipment, practice using it, you know, find a tree in the backyard or, you know, head out to the you know, state park or somewhere where you can do it and get familiar with how the equipment works, how you want to have it set up. You know, where do you want to have stuff stored in your bag? Where do you want to have stuff? Are you going to have pouches on your, you know, attached to your bag for to, to your, uh, saddle for stuff and how do you want to have that configured because um you know just like law enforcement and military you you get used to having things in a certain place and that becomes part of your routine you know exactly where it's at and so if it's dark whether you're coming up or down you know exactly where that is by muscle memory and that can not only save you time but probably help you from ranging yourself for sure um what's the next one say here uh Choose the right tree. Choose the right tree. Yeah. So uh, you could probably talk a little bit more about this than me, but I think, I mean, in order to have a successful hunt and be comfortable, picking the right tree size is important, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it, may, it brings up good points. It's, it says, selecting the right tree is essential for a comfortable and effective hunt. Look for a healthy, sturdy tree with minimal branches and a suitable diameter, diameter for your saddle. Avoid trees with excessive leaning or visible damage. Prioritize concealment and consider the wind direction to maximize your chance of a successful hunt. 
which is one great thing about saddle hunting is if you have a tree stand up, you know, and the wind's not in your favor, you can't let that stand. I mean, you can just not going to do anything, but yeah, a, her, a sturdy tree for sure. Um, I don't really like pine trees cause they're full of bugs. That being said, pine trees are way easier to secure everything to. Yeah. So, you know, a good sturdy oak tree that's not super wide at the bottom. Like we have these beech trees out here, the pin oaks that you can pretty much get in there. And another thing that I've always wanted to do is the Indian style. So you, you would climb up to a branch kind of, and the branch would be your seat or your platform. Mm. Um, that's something I'm going to try out in the national forest this year. Cause I got, I've already got a spot picked out that I want to do it at. Cool. But yeah, you definitely want to avoid trees with the leaning. And if you, if you do get a leaning tree that leans a little bit, you're going to want to be on the backside of that lean. Cause otherwise it's super frustrating trying to, uh, trying to stay there. And I use the tree as kind of like a blind. So whichever direction I'm hunting, I'm behind it. Yeah. So I can look around, you know, both sides of the tree. Yeah. Okay. So uh, um, turn that off. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. So uh, number three says, you know, optimize safety. Um, Of course, you know, anything you can do to, you know, to make it as safe as possible. So ensure you're properly harnessed and connected to the tree during reliable using a reliable safety harness um, kind of stuff. He's already, you know, he's, he's already touched on being familiar with your gear, making sure it works properly, making sure you're using stuff that is meant um, for your setup. You know, some of the manufacturers make certain pieces of kit that are designed to work a certain way with their, um, with their saddle and trying to move those back and forth, you know, just may not work great. And you may find yourself with a, you know, compromised piece of equipment, which wouldn't be a good thing. Um, and it says stay mobile and be observant. Um, what'd you say? Nothing. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, stay mobile and be observant. Um, you know, one of the advantages of using a tree saddle is, is mobility. You can probably talk more about that than I can. I know you it took a while to get used to, but um, it actually gives some some points here on deer movement patterns and signs. Which is pretty fascinating that it actually goes that deep. Yeah. Trusting um, your position. Yeah, changing wind directions, remain patient and observant while hunting as deer behavior can vary throughout the day. Yep. And then the last one is, I mean, pretty self-explanatory, dress for the conditions. I mean, that's whether you're going outside to mow the lawn or, or sit all day or going for a hike, you know, dress appropriately. It's a surefire way to ruin your weekend or your day or die. Yeah. <laughs> or die. Yeah. Well, you know, we we talk to our, you know, we talk to the scouts and uh, we talk when we're teaching um uh, wilderness survival and there's a story that, that we read it's a true story um about these two guys that went on a was supposed to be a quick hike you know kind of up up to a kind of a ridge point and back down and uh they got up and a, a storm blew through and dropped the temperatures really really low um they did not bring sufficient gear or ja- even a jacket or a raincoat and they got lost they had to hunker down to get out of the storm night came um, it was a big mess and long story short, one of the guys died and, and the other one barely survived. Um, wow. yeah, it's pretty crazy, but it, it happens. So for sure. Um, so I like see. the end of it here too. Remember experience and time spent in the field will contribute to your success as a tree saddle hunter, learning from each hunting trip and continuously honing your skills will improve your comfort and effectiveness. Enjoy the adventures and best of luck on your hunts. Sounds like something out of a manufacturer's manual. <laughs> I know it probably it does. is. Almost <laughs> makes you wonder. Yeah, it probably pulled it from from some kind of saddle hunting manufacturer. I wonder if you were to Google that exact statement. Let's see. 
See if it comes up somewhere. Nope. Interesting. Yeah. So it actually pulled that out of its uh, machine ass. Artificial ass. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked the next question, kind of the same question, but in a different way. I just said, can you provide five tips for staying comfortable in a tree saddle hunting for long hunts? Um, you know, it says, you know, invest in quality padding. I wasn't sure what it meant by that. And I mean, can, I guess maybe you can, I know you can buy padding to go on the trees or your knees. Yeah, for the knees, for sure. So what I use is my ruck or my bag that I'm bringing in. Mm-hmm. I will put that in between me and the tree on top of my platform. So when I get down, I'll put my knees into that because wearing knee pads would probably be the best bet, but it's just one more thing on your legs, and I don't – Yeah, it's hot. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh, utilize a suspension relief system. Uh, I don't know much about those. I mean, I understand what they are, but I'm assuming that is for just, I don't know, alleviating alleviating some of the discomfort as you're trying to, to stand or um but i think that's the whole point right of a saddle is you can adjust it to put more weight on or off your legs on its own right um yeah more or less it's like a shock that you can put under your feet okay so it's like but it'd be i don't know that would i don't know how you would do that with unless you ran it on the line like on the line that you're actually hooked to that way you're not just stuck to a solid cable yeah but I, uh, I don't know. Unless they're talking, I'm like the hunter safety one. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I know that uh, like there's the same that company, Falltech. Mm-hmm. Let me look. There was a company. Yeah, let me see. I don't know. We may have to add that in at another time. That's a that's a rabbit hole. I'm not going down. <laughs> okay then. Yeah, I believe it's just. A, I think Falltech makes one for just allowing a little bit of shock as opposed to just the sturdiness of a rope. But yeah, yeah. It doesn't really bother me. Okay. Well, let's see. The next one says, uh, take regular stretch breaks. You know, I, I guess maybe for all day sit that applies for any, you know, any stand or any, you know, any type of hunting, you know, if you're going to do an all day sit, especially, you know, it's, it's good to take, take 20, 30 minutes, get out of the stand, sit at the base of the tree, you know, have a snack stretch. Um, it's just good for you. But have you done any long sits in a saddle yet? I have. And what I end up doing is switching between knees on the tree, standing and leaning back. And then um, I will get in close and saddle the tree with the tree between my legs. Yeah. But um, there's so many different ways you can stand. So you can stand up straight. You can lean back on the platform. You can lean to the side. You know, there's... You can pretty much walk all the way around the tree if you yeah. uh, have your stick set up in the right sounds way. Like so, you, sounds like you sounds like you're describing how to do the cha cha slide. That's and, yeah. <laughs> I don't know the cha cha slide. But, hands uh, hands uh, on your uh, knees and slide to the left. Slide to the yeah, right. There you go. That's exactly it. <laughs> uh, um, that's, that's a funny. YouTube video. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> uh, use portable back support. Um, does your Does your system have a like an add on for back support? It does. Yeah. Uh, I've it's seen some of those. Just a strap. Oh, is it really? That's it. I, I wasn't sure how, how intricate they got. It's fun. It's funny to go back a few years ago and see what people were using and what these companies have, uh, are putting out now. Yeah. yeah it's a strap. It goes like, I put it under my arms and it just comes off my chest into the rope mm-hmm. that way. Um, but also my saddle, it has folds in it. So you can pull it up like kind of like over your love handles. And so it, it provides like lumbar support. It's pretty comfortable. I don't have any complaints with it. Nice. Yeah. And the last one is stay hydrated and snack smart. I mean, that's not uh, specific to any kind of um, harness or I'm sorry, saddle, but uh, 
it's just a good idea in general. Mm-hmm. I think I only last. I think I only asked it one more question. Um, yeah, I was, I was curious, like what it would say about shooting, and so I asked it. You know, what are some five things to consider, or or that that you know to to make sure that a hunter is sh- able to shoot accurately from a tree saddle. So I've never shot from a tree saddle, so you'll have to give your input on whether these are accurate or not. Um, practice shooting positions. I think that's pretty straightforward. I mean, I think obvious. Yeah. Super obvious, right? Get, getting your, even if you're just a few feet off the ground, just get used to drawing, if shooting a bow from that position, um, you know, resting your rifle. It includes sitting, standing and leaning positions. So yeah, you want to, any shot you could be possibly using, you definitely want to practice. Yep. Uh, so the anchor points is actually, that's a surprising, um, point there. So that's, that's my only, true input on this. So I shot at a buck in Kentucky mm-hmm. and because of the way I was leaning back and I used the same anchor point I always use, but my elbow was kind of pushed out and mm-hmm. the bowstring hit my elbow mm-hmm. and it launched that arrow like 20 feet over the deer's head. I see. So, so that's pretty, that's a pretty interesting statement for chat GP to say experiment with different anchor points because you never know, like you, the way you shoot standing on the ground is not, necessarily going to be the way you shoot in the tree yeah yeah that's it that's an interesting point um master shooting with elevated angles i mean if you've ever hunted from a tree at all i think this applies across the spectrum for shooting from any kind of elevated position um angles change you know the rate with which arrows drop and uh bullets travel it's not such a big deal i don't think with rifles to be honest but Definitely both. You have to, depending on what angle you're shooting at, you definitely got to take into consideration. It says shooting from an elevated position introduces a different perspective and shooting dynamics. It's crucial to become proficient at shooting from elevated angles to compensate for the trajectory and bullet drop. Um, Same, same with an arrow or or a crossbow bolt Uh, spend time practicing shooting from elevated positions, understanding the sight picture and adjustments or adjusting your aim accordingly. So yeah, I mean, it's spot on. Yep. Yep. Number three, utilize shooting rest or supports. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a shooting sports or shoot sport, shooting rest or supports can significantly improve accuracy by providing a stable platform for your rifle or bow. Invest in a lightweight shooting stick, bipod, or tripod that can easily set up and uh, can easily be set up in your tree saddle. These supports will help steady your aim and reduce the effects of wobbling or shaking while shooting. Do you think? Do you think it would be like what what the logistics would be of having a rifle and a shooting stick in a saddle? Sounds I'm thinking like a, about, can oh. you even use a shooting stick with a bow? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think you can. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can. anything's possible, but mm. you can't rest it on the cam. You would have to have, like... No, yeah, there's, I don't, there's no way. That may be a weird point for it there. I don't I don't know that you can use a shooting... You definitely... We should <laughs> we should make... Bi- that that should be our April, for, our April Fool's post next year. We make tripods for your, for your compound bow. <laughs> Are you tired of missing your shot? Whiskey and Whitetails has a three-foot tripod bow mount. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring a shooting stick. I could see you uh, securing something to the tree, but that's one more thing to bring. I don't know that I would rifle hunt out of a saddle. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't would think either. I um, So number four, uh, implement proper anchor points. We just talked about that. Um, it says, you know, establish consistent and repeatable anchor points for that is or is essential for accuracy. <clears throat> Determine where your hand, cheek, and other body parts align when shouldering your weapon or drawing back a bow. 
Uh, by consistently reproducing these anchor points, you will, de- uh, will develop a reliable and accurate shooting arm. I should have asked these questions specifically from the perspective of a bow hunter. I didn't do that. That's what I should have done differently. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then I mean, number if it gave you the same input, it still would have been wrong. <laughs> and then number five is know your effective range. I mean, that's solid advice for anybody shooting anything. Um, you know, understanding your effective shooting range from a tree saddle and be honest with yourself about your limitations. You know, consider factors such as your shooting proficiency, weapon capabilities, hunting regulations. Um, knowing your effective range will help you make ethical shots and avoid potentially risky or unethical shots at longer distances. Yep. Not bad. If you had to rank, if you had to rank its responses for all that out of like one to five, what would you give it? Uh, one to five. I think I would give it a five minus. Five minus. It did pretty good. I, I mean, I don't. The shooting stick thing was a little weird, but I can see how it would just throw that in there. Yeah, I didn't specify. So I just don't see shooting the shooting stick with the bow part. That was weird. But other than that, I think it did really good. What do you think? No, I agree. I don't disagree at all. Yeah. I mean, it's not like super in the woods. It's kind of like, duh. Yeah, but no, it was very... If, if I was never saddle hunter before, that's probably pretty good advice. Yeah, I think if I were to give it anything less than... I think if I think I'd probably land on a four, honestly, just because uh, for some of those points that were a little weird, and then uh, it, it reads very much like a textbook. Um, you know, if maybe if it yeah. responded in a way that was maybe a little bit more human and human form, it would be different, but you know, you're talking to a machine. So it did say happy hunting. It did say happy hunting. You know what? That bumps it up to a five. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, th- I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, we, we see people talking shit about it all the time, but I don't know. I'm pretty blown away by its capabilities. Yeah. And if, if, if this was, if you enjoyed this or thought this was interesting, you know, give us some ideas, some stuff you'd like us to do. And, and we'll work through some of the prompts and things that, that we've, we've researched and, uh, you know, get it to take the position of, you know, an expert in this or that field and we'll see what it says. And, you know, we talk about it and we can pick it apart and see what it says. I don't want to turn this into a, you know, an AI analyzing podcast, but it'd be something we could be fun to do every now and then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like it. I think it's, you know, you just keep, you see people uh, talk down upon it, but I think it's because they're looking at it. Like that's not the way my uncle Jimmy talks. And it's like, no, it's not. I mean, it's a machine, so it's going to, you got to give it, <laughs> yeah. you got to give it a little lee room there. But I think it's, uh, I mean, I'm pretty impressed with the responses. I mean, we've used it before on, on other things. We wouldn't keep using it if we thought it sucked. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So what else, over that. what else do we have to talk about today? Some current events. Um, well, I was going to talk, we could talk about the, uh, submarine oh, since yes. that's uh, hot news. Sad news. Yeah. The, so 22 minutes ago, the release, the missing Titanic subcrew believed to be dead after catastrophic implosion. Yeah. So it wasn't what you were talking about. Just run out of oxygen and peacefully really? going to sleep. They, uh, that thing imploded on them. Well, I mean, it's it was still, pretty it was, deep down there. It was pretty quick. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they felt nothing. 
Hmm. Well, you know, just goes to show money can't buy everything. No, no. I, I don't know, man. They, they had warnings, not the, the passengers, the, the owner. Like there were all kinds of like people that had warned him and told him that the thing was not safe, that, you know, it had all kinds of issues. It hadn't, you know, wasn't tested to certain standards and he didn't hear, he didn't want to hear it. You know, 200, was it 250 K a pop to go down there? It's going to cost his estate millions. Oh my God. He's done. Like he will have nothing left. Well, I mean, he, he already is done, but (laughs) yeah, he's dead. (laughs) Um, yeah. We saw something earlier that said, uh, Titanic two rich people zero. <laughs> not to not to be a dick about. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, it's bad. Die. It sucks. People die every day, like, but that kid, you know, I, that, that's honestly the only one I feel super super bad for. Um, I'm not aware of the kid. I don't. I haven't really looked into it that. Yeah, way. two of them. Yesterday, one of the pair was a uh, a father and son. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. So that yeah. that's that's a bummer. Um, but the rich guy just taking people for their money, he can he can fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy that uh, I didn't know about the, all the war. I, like, I don't really read the news, so I'm, I'm like looking at it now. I can see all the stuff people talking about it, but yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy. It's it's wild that um, you know the the creator, the the designer of the Titanic died with the ship, <laughs> and so did this guy. Like <laughs> yeah. 111 years later, or whatever it is, in the same exact spot. Uh, it's actually it's wild that they actually found it. Like I didn't think they were even going to find this thing. I mean, was you, it like sonar they found it? Yeah, I think it was that, that or, or they had cameras down there and found it. Um, you know, because if you if you take a look, like I, there's a couple of videos you can find that shows like kind of by scale, you know, it's sort of just like a 3D model and it just kind of zooms down and out and shows as the uh, as the ocean gets deeper and it places like you know, landmarks and, and things that we're familiar with, like in the ocean for, for like perspective, you know, and it's like, where that thing is at is deep as shit, man. Like it's it's hard, it's to, hard to conceptualize. Um, so it's wild they can even get things down there. To be honest with you, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely deep. It's crazy that I couldn't even imagine wanting to go see it. I, I, like, spoiler alert: you can watch the movie Titanic and uh, <laughs> see plenty of the footage because that that window was tiny too, and it's and it was in the shitter. So you're like you're sitting on the toilet one person at a time that can look out. Yeah. We were talking about a little bit this morning. It's crazy that they didn't have, it would be so simple to have a door on the top that has a a floated device that'll float up to the top, like tethered with a GPS beacon. And then it's just, it's ran by a powered magnetic lock. So when the power goes out, that lock is now unlocked and that thing would float up. It would have been so simple to put that in there. Yeah. I'm sure that there's, there's some sort of there. I'm sure there are a dozen, you know, companies out out right now that are prototyping some sort of safety device. (laughs) Uh, to sell. Are you to, rich and have a submarine and need, want to make sure this doesn't happen to you? Yeah, the first thing I thought of was like a box on top of it. Like you've seen those ribs, you know, the 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 inflatable mm-hmm. boats that like Navy SEALs and SWIC use. You know, they those things go in the back of a, a helicopter or whatever and they drop them in the water and they just pull up, like r- rip a cord and the thing just self-inflates. Like to have something like that on the top that would have enough air in it to pull that thing to the top it doesn't seem like it'd be too... You know, the second you have a malfunction that indicates, you know, the cabin depressuriz- depressurization, boom, it, it goes to the top. But then, yeah. you know, I don't know how, you know, that it could have happened in an instant. They could have had no warning and then just suddenly, boom, that's it. 
because have you ever, I don't know if you've ever seen or watched like a document documentaries or like, you know, science videos of like what happens, like when something like that depressurizes and like collapses on itself, it's pretty violent. <laughs> I'm sure it is. And I'm guessing this thing was all just, it was just, uh, powered. It didn't have ballast tanks to. Oh, I'm sure it had it nothing up. like that. There's, there's probably nothing like that. I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but yeah, I don't either. Here we are giving our expert opinion on something we know nothing about. Very Joe Rogan of us. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, we both got some travel coming up. So because of that, we're going to be doing a couple podcasts back to back. Um, yeah, next week. week, next Monday, I think Monday evening, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday. And we have, uh, we're pretty excited about it. Both of them. One is with 10th mountain whiskey. They sent us a bottle. Uh, they sent us three bottles, which I got to get you half before then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're going to talk to them about everything they got going on. They work a lot with veterans, which, you know, we like, and they sent us some rise. They're pretty young. One's a, they're both a year old, but we've said it many times, uh, age does not equal flavor. So if it tastes good, drink it. I don't care how old it is. Nope. And then we're also going to have Leon from reserve bar, which we're excited about that. You're going to start seeing some stuff going on with us in reserve bar, um, we're going to plan some stuff for Veterans Day, which is a while away, but this stuff takes time. And they're trying to get me a couple, couple things that I'm that I want for content, just like really cool, random, off the wall stuff. Nothing, not like pappy and shit like that. But, but um, you're going to start seeing some do some more stuff with them, and we might have the ability to be selling single barrels here soon. So look forward to that if that works out which I believe it will. We're just kind of, we're going through the paperwork phase and uh, getting everything set up with them. So that's exciting. Yeah. It's going to be so fun. I to talk to Lee about that. What were you saying? I said, that'd be fun. Yeah. And then uh, I want him to, cause he does all the picks for reserve bar. So he's been to like probably hundreds of picks. Yeah. So I think it'd be cool to talk to him about some of his favorites and, and you know, stories from the road, if you will. Yeah. Nice. Doing that next week. So you'd be looking forward to those, Couple episodes coming out. Uh, I think over the I, next two weeks. I think Tenth Mountain also does some uh, some veteran hunting stuff as well that, that they're looking looking to talk about. Um, so maybe some opportunity there to do some traveling. Down with it. You that, know we love travel. They're in Vail, Colorado, so my wife will be pissed if I go to Vail uh, without her. That's where we went on our honeymoon. So, right. That'll be fun. I'm sure, she'll be excited. <laughs> maybe she has to take her with us. Yeah, there you go. She can hang out and, and ski while we hunt or she's, whatever. Yeah, she's a big skier. <clears throat> Is she? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Not her and thing. And then um, right shortly after that, I'm going to Indiana. We're going to go hang out. I'm going to hang out with uh, Kyle himself, mm-hmm. one of our executive producers. He lives uh, out there in Indiana. And I'm going to go do a day with him, hop around some liquor stores, meet some fine folks, bring yep. back a couple suitcases full of whiskey, I'd imagine. Nice. Which I'm excited to do. I'm going to bring some with me too. And then um, I'm going to VPA for a archery event. And yeah. they have Field Ethos gear will be there. They're doing dinner on Friday. I'm not going to be able to make that. but Man, I'm, I'm bummed I can't make that. But I hope you have a good time and get some good content, man. Yeah, that's the plan. That is the plan. I'm going to try and make a, a pretty good video with that. And, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with them. So I'm hoping I can get dinner with them on Saturday night. And then I got an early flight Sunday morning to get back. So it'll be another sleepless weekend. Yeah. 
I'm going to be uh, heading it to so the kids this, you know, summertime. We've got summer camps going on, so I'll be heading up to Georgia um, for a week and then uh, doing some whitewater rafting and some hiking and some other stuff. So I'll try to bring the GoPro and some cameras and get some fun footage to uh, to share with everybody. should be good. Definitely do that. How was that uh, peach was it cobbler or like a... It was just a... Uh, it was just a really simple. All the ingredients is what you saw on that cutting board in the reel. Um, it was basically just brown sugar and bourbon, um, a couple of other ingredients. And you just cook that down into a uh, just a reduction. And then um, apparently I butchered the peaches. Uh, sorry, <laughs> chefery. Um, that's, our, that's our favorite thing. For those that don't know, we work. We work. We we're good friends with uh, the executive chef at Miller's all day. Uh, it's a great restaurant here in Charleston. They have two locations, one conveniently on James Island where I live and then one downtown that we take people to, but the food is amazing. And uh, we always joke with Jeff about just being like a dick in the kitchen. And so yeah. we, we were making hamburgers and hot dogs for army folks. <laughs> and he was like, I'll come by and talk shit the whole time. But he didn't make it. And then, yeah. so he texted me later that night and was like, did Helen Keller cook those hamburgers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he made fun of the, of the peaches that, uh, to be fair, my mom cut, uh, but said that uh, I was on dish uh, from now yeah. on. So I'm not even allowed to cut uh, cut yeah. up food, let alone cook it out of the kitchen. <laughs> so yeah, it was funny. It's it's you know, it's it's good time. But um, yeah, it was really good, man. It's uh, it, they you cook the de- the reduction down. If I could do it differently, I think I would have added. Um, I would have done the ratios differently so that the the reduction came out a little more um, a little thicker. Um, I added more bourbon to it than the recipe called for because I wanted more of that taste and it came out a little, uh, a little thinner than I would have liked. So maybe just add some more brown sugar or, or honey to it to, to thicken it up and cook that a little longer. But yeah, I just threw, threw the peaches in their face down and baked it for like 15 or 20 minutes and then uh, took that out, let it cool just a little bit so that it wouldn't completely annihilate the ice cream and then served it with some ice cream. And it was really good. If I could do anything differently, um, and I really, you know, I'm not a chef, so I don't know if there's anything you could can do differently, but I did not like the texture of, like, the skin. Like, it was harder than the, the rest of the peach, and so, like, it was hard to get a good bite of both the peach and the, because you were fighting the skin. Maybe uh, Chef Jeff has some tips on how to properly prepare those peaches before cooking them that way so that the skin is a little easier to uh, to work with. But um, other than that, it was really, really good. I can ask him Saturday morning. Oh, yeah, think? that's right. Nice. I was watching, um, I think it's, it's one of those cooking shows. I can't remember what it's called, but they had, uh, the guy was talking about how he got into cooking and he went to this famous Italian restaurant or whatever. And they brought out dessert and it was a bowl with ice in it. And it had peaches floating in the ice bowl, like a bowl of ice water and it had peaches in it. Yeah. And they, uh, they brought it out and sat on the table and he's like, what is this? This is like just peaches and ice water. And he was like, and I took a bite of it. And it was, I've never experienced anything like that before. Like the cold outside with the fleshy inside. And I guess it, it made that crunch of the skin seem like ice maybe. Oh, wow. And uh, he just said it was like, it was so simple and so beautiful. And I've always wanted to try it, but I don't ever get peaches. <clears throat> That's what I love about the, the the chefs that we've had the opportunity to work with, like Jeff and the guys over at Bearcat, is that none of their stuff is super complex. It is It is when you get into the weeds of it, but when it's presented it's usually very simple and it's, yeah. and it's phenomenal and they do a lot of preparation for the stuff. And there's a lot of science that goes into how they create those textures and everything. But 
it's the presentation is always very simple and it's just always leaves you like kind of trying to figure out like how did they i cook this i cook these brussels sprouts all the time like how did they make them like this (laughs) right yeah it's it's never it's never ending for me whenever i go to these uh events where like a chef's cooking this crazy meal Mm -hmm. and it's i feel bad for people that live in places that don't have restaurants and chefs like that yeah yeah because every time it's just like you take a bite and you're like how how are there so many flavors and they all fit together just perfect yeah it's lovely we're very fortunate to live in a place with a shit ton of uh i mean this is a culinary destination in the united states without without question it's, I think it's what makes it so hard to leave. Like, don't want to leave because I don't want to leave the food. Yeah. I care less about the food, but it's, I get it. Well, you know how much I care about the food. <laughs> I do. I've been intermittent fasting for a couple of weeks now. And my feeding window is from four to eight. God and damn. here it is 6 p.m. I haven't eaten yet. Oh, man. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I am also intermittent fasting, but I, I only do 14 hours. So I eat between like 11 and 6 whatever that, whatever that window is. And I usually have a big breakfast around 11, like breakfast brunch type meal. And then I'll work out in the afternoon and then I'll eat when I, you know, or eat afterwards refeed as they say. Um, but like not, not drinking a whole lot, no pre-workout or anything. Just that first meal with some protein, some fruit and some honey and like a, like cream of rice or just some rice. And my head buzzes like I have eat like I've had a pre workout. Really? Yeah, it's wild. Wow, I don't get that. I've, di- also, I've dialed something in. I don't know what it is. I've dialed something in, and I'm not changing. I haven't changed it in, in like two weeks because every time I eat that that first meal, uh, if I feel great. It might be uh, diabetes, glycemic index. <laughs> that's what it is. I'm actually just. <laughs> is that maybe that's why I take those two hour naps in the afternoon? No I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, could be. Could be shit um so let's have a work day this weekend i'm not gonna be able to make it but we got two other ones after that we should probably go and uh capture some footage apparently they've done a lot of good work with the with the food plots uh this year so we need to capture and try to help out with some of that i think all the planting is done we'll do some replanting in the fall but they had some soil tests done and added some um bunch of nutrients and stuff back to into the soil um till it all up and then and then plant it and so apparently everything is coming in really really good which should be awesome for this year. And we're getting a lot of, did, did I talk to you about the hogs? Did we talk about that? I saw in the email that uh, they'd said, be careful with the hogs. I didn't there, we should probably go get one if there's that many Apparently, out there. Apparently, uh, uh, Bo has been getting pictures of hogs up by the big food plot, just up there with hmm. the babies. And apparently there is, uh, he ran into or spoke to one of the owners because somebody, I think Nick or someone, um, uh, Joe, not Nick, uh, saw, has been seeing a truck go in there that he wasn't familiar with. So we asked the owners and they hired some guy to go out there and survey the, the timbered wood and way in the back. And he thinks the reason the hogs are, are coming so far in is because it's flooded really bad back there. He thinks that there's beavers that have dammed up parts of that, that those tributaries that start the, the river back there. Uh, and it's got them flooded out and they can't go back to where they usually hang out. So they're coming up. And, and grazing and finding food closer to the road. Wow. So it might be a good time to go out there and just walk around and see what we can see and maybe find one of those stands to sit in and, and pop some hogs. I'm down for that all day. I mean, it's, I, yeah. That's good eating, and there's a ton of it on there in one bullet. Yeah, exactly. Especially knowing you can take it to Cordray's and be like, bye. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Dude, they got diseases. I don't want to deal with it either. You're supposed to wear like glasses and gloves and all this stuff. It's not worth it to me. When you clean them. That, oh yeah. Ugh. You get, they, if they splash into your eyes, you can get, there's some, I can't remember the name of the disease, but. I'm surprised Cordray's even bothers with it, man. Well, they, they, when I worked there, they make you wear goggles and gloves yeah. and, uh, and all that. But I, I don't think that really does anything. I think you can still get the disease. Hmm. What, what would you, what would you make out of it? Just sausage shit? Oh like yeah. That? Yep. Sausage or, or burger. Mm, pork. I guess it would kind of, oh, I mean, so the only thing that makes it sausage really is sausage seasoning. So it's, yeah, I guess so. Using it to be hamburger. More fat content too. But you can yeah. also, like Cordray, you can add fat at Cordray's, which is nice. It's a nice option. Yeah. Put some pig, non-fat pig meat with some cow fat. I think, I think you can get pork fat there. No, you can't. I'm just saying take the oh, pig meat and get put the, cow fat. Gotcha. Gotcha. Blend yeah. in some flavors. Yeah. See what Why you get there. Chef Matt. <clears throat> That's what I would do. Chef. Yeah. Now, uh. Yeah, we should definitely go check that out. I want to see if there's see if we can get a fo- frog, hog. That'd be fun. Or a lot of hogs. I mean, there's no limit on them, so just do it up. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. Now I'm really thinking about it. I want to. I think I might try and get out there next week. Yeah, you should. Yeah, I'm down with that. All right, you got anything else? No, man. Nothing. Uh, nothing. This will be out. If you're listening to this, it's Monday. So uh, the next two episodes with our guests, we're not sure what order uh, will be out the next two, the next two Mondays. So keep an ear out for that. Uh, as always, you can use code podcast, save 20% at uh, whiskeywhitetails.com. And uh, like I said, let us know if you think the chat GPT thing was uh, interesting. We'll, you know, revisit that occasionally and maybe throw it. We'll um, throw the results up on the, uh, the journal on the website and let you guys take a look at, you know, the results and give some feedback up there as well. It's a easy content to, to post on the blog there. Yeah. Super easy. We can throw that up there. Also, I screwed up in the beginning of this uh, podcast there. So uh, the, I was looking at, so I, for some reason I thought next week was July. It's not, it's June. So I don't know what uh, today actually national is, but oh. July, July 3rd will be, uh, will be that, whatever I said. <laughs> reduction there now at the end. Redacted. Reacted. Cool. Okay. All righty. Great. Fun. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining. If you're viewing on YouTube, let us know. We see the views, but we don't have view on, so just leave us a comment. Tell Listen. us what you think. Yeah, and go to do us a humongous favor. Tell your friends about us, about the show, and if you got a second, go to Spotify and Apple and leave us a rate, you know, give us a, a review. Greatly appreciate yeah. it. It helps with the numbers. Cool. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cheers. Cheers.